Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Joe Trippy. Welcome back to That Trippy Show. We're taping out of order again for this episode, so you'll hear us talk about the debate. Uh, we don't know whether they have to take showers or not, depending on what Trump does. But in any case, we'll uh, be talking about a few of the bigger picture things. Um, we're recording that now, and uh, we'll come on and, and talk after the debate first. So, Alex, we're 11 days away from Election Day, and the best news... <laughs> Of all, the debates are now mercifully over. All right, so Joe, we watched once again watch the debate, so hopefully our listeners wouldn't have to. Good news number one, I still have a bourbon in front of me. Good news number two, I don't think any showers were needed. But good news number three, uh, that might be the last debate we'll ever have to watch Donald Trump do. Donald Trump even loses. He may run again four years from now, and we'll see him in a debate. So don't, don't, you know, don't count your chickens before they hatch. The only thing I think that you sort of had right there is I do think we, we, yeah, we don't have to take a shower because like, you know, look, as debates go, uh, as debates with Trump in them go, it was pretty, you know, I don't want to say normal, but it was, you know, relatively tame. tame. Yeah. And I look, the thing I think about this is actually I was thinking about this. You know, the last time we came on where we had to take the showers where we, we uh, watched the Trump town hall and you cheated and went back and forth to save yourself from having to watch it. Uh, oh, man. But, Highly recommend. You know, back then I thought, you know, this is two different bubbles in America on two different channels. You know, the NBC uh, ABC and Trump and Biden with all, their two different audiences watching them in their two town halls and each one won their town hall. And then I realized tonight what was happening was it was okay. We're, they're all in the same, they're both in the same place, but it's two different orbits watching them. Right. I mean, I think people who tuned into this for the most part were folks that were for Joe Biden and rooting him on, and people who are for Trump and rooting him on. There aren't very many undecides. I can't believe any of them would have sat through it. Um, and so, you know, I think they both won their group. I think Joe Biden made considerable, uh, uh, you know, hits on Trump, particularly the, the splitting up of the children, things like that. And I think his the people who tuned in uh, who are voting for for Biden and want him uh, desperately to win thought he did an incredible job. And I'm sure, by the way, that the folks who tuned in to watch Trump and cheer him on thought he did an incredible job. So uh, I mean, that's sort of my my view of it. Uh, we'll see what the, the you know, what the post uh, debate polls are. But I, I've been through this enough. I mean, first of all. 
that's one thing as a campaign manager you really do know um, that very few debates are watched by undecideds. Uh, they tend to be watched by partisans um, who are there to root their candidate on. Um, that doesn't, and in that sense, it's often the coverage afterwards that hits the undecideds. It's the big mistake that got made in the debate that gets played over and over again for the next couple of days uh, that, that, that actually reaches undecided voters, you know, whether it's in the newspapers or on, on cable or in, in the evening news. And I just didn't see one of those uh, happen uh, in a way that, and, and I don't think there are that many undecideds out there anyway, even if it did happen, even if there was a gap, but there wasn't. Uh, I mean, like I said, a, as a, as someone who support, you know, if you're looking at from the Biden angle, you think Trump gaffed every time he opened his mouth. But I'm just saying in terms of actually impacting undecideds or people in the middle. And if anything, again, the more of those people uh, who don't like either one of them, even the undecideds tend to be to look like uh, if given the choice between two people they don't like. This time they're voting for Biden. In 2016, given the choice between two people they didn't like, they tended to move towards Trump. We, you know, so this happens. This is a, a thing that happens quite a bit. Um, but all, all the indication when you ask those people, okay, you don't like either one of them, who would you vote for? They say Biden this time. Um, and I didn't see anything in the debate that changed that. So anyway, my, my point is uh, for folks out there, uh, and, and I think uh, the other thing that, that Alex kind of, I, I, just, I, th I think there are plenty of people who watch this and do not think there was any reason to worry about a shower because they were watching Joe Biden. He did great. And, and he did great. Right. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's, that's the point. I think the one uh, point that you have sharply demised is... <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> uh, anyway, I look. I just think that the the debate uh, was a relative wash. Uh, I didn't see anything that changed. And that 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 is a l massive loss for Trump. I mean, that's what you got to understand about this. That Trump went into this thing eight, nine, ten points down nationally, down three, four, five points in most of these uh, critical battleground states. Yeah, there's a couple that are closer than that, but it, but. But a wash benefits Biden and it really hurts Trump. He needed to make this into some kind of sea change moment. Uh, and I suspected this from the get go. And I've talked about this in the past. He's only got two possible ways. One is to come in bombastic in all chaos, which is going to lose him uh, that shot to change the equation, which meant he had to try to come in kind of actually kind of mellower and uh, and pull it off and make some sense. Um, and well, the make some sense part didn't happen. He was definitely mellower. But I think when that happens with him, he can't possibly change the equation. No one buys it. Um, and his own supporters might be sitting there watching this going, wait, wait where's the guy that, that, you know, the pounds away and fights for us. 
Um, so, uh, although I'm sure they thought, again, if these are people that think he can shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue, he must have a good reason for it. I'm sure they thought he had a good reason for acting the way he did tonight. But I just don't think he's the one that desperately needed to use this moment to change the equation. And so if we're talking about a wash, it's one thing, people. Donald Trump lost this debate, period. Joe, I know tonight we heard even more conspiracy theories, and I can't even pronounce the guy's name who showed up at the debate. You think any of that's going to land? No. Look, I just think, uh, again, people have made up their minds. And I think, look, one of the great lines I think of the night was from Biden when he said, look, it's not about my family or Donald Trump's family. It's about your family. Uh, And uh, that got straight to the point. Of course, Trump had no response to that. Uh, But I think, yeah, all this conspiracy stuff is just, you know, no, I, I just don't think it has any impact. I mean, every time Trump talks about Hunter, you got to be sit, sitting there thinking about Jared and Ivanka, even if you think that's what I'm saying. It's just not it's not a credible attack from Trump, regardless of whether you think uh, any of it sticks. Uh, it just doesn't make much sense. I don't think uh, that that's going to have much impact. And I also, again, think just straight up. It's like, you know, I thought about this in one sense. It, you know, I always thought that if it was our chaos versus Trump's chaos, people would choose Trump's chaos. Why would a Republican woman in the suburbs pick our chaos versus Trump's? Might as well stick with my chaos. The the same thing. If you think, um, oh, whatever happened with Ivanka and Jared or whatever happened with Hunter, um, you know, there's there's this chaos over here. And there's calm leadership that knows how to turn the lights on in the Oval Office. If they both got like some kids that, hey, went bad or something, um, I'll go with mine. The, the guy who's calm and can lead. So I just think in the end, it's like a no, it's a, a bunch of wasted time for Trump. So, no, I don't think it did him any good. And I think, like I said, it, every time he touched that, uh, that and mentioned Hunter, I'm sure there were people out there in Qunan and all kinds of uh, places who believe in, in pizza parlors that, you know, and pedophilia and all that other stuff. Uh, we like, ah, yeah, you know, and uh, but uh, I think that and five dollars will get them a Starbucks coffee. OK, so now that we've determined that we didn't have to take a shower and that the debate was basically a wash. Let's get on with the rest of the show. So for weeks now, Joe, we've been talking about the idea of a blowout for Biden. But uh, Jen O'Malley Dillon, Biden's campaign manager, had Democrats a little tightened up this week. I think one thing to remember here is the race does look a little bit closer when you go to the battleground states. Trump is clearly behind, but it's a little bit closer. The message from the Biden camp is don't get complacent even with these leads in battleground states. The message from the Trump campaign when I talked to sources around that campaign is that public polls don't show what their internal polls are showing. They actually think this race is tighter than it seems. So yeah, Jen O'Malley said it was tight. Bill Stepien says the Trump campaign feels better than basically any time in the race. And I know national polls are in double digits, but it seems like everything's all over the place. What do you make of that messaging from the Biden campaign? Well, of course, the Biden campaign is going to say that they need to. Uh, I say it. Look, you know, I think this is going to be a double digit win for Biden 
nationwide. You know, maybe it'll be eight points, it could, but I think it could be over 10 and get into double digits. But the fact is, look, battleground states are battleground states for a reason, right? We're fighting over them for a reason. It's because they're always going to be close, or a lot of these states are, are usually close. So, uh, I mean, Florida, like we've said many times, is a state where, I don't know, last six presidential elections, there's been like a two less than a two-point margin in most of them. Uh, and sometimes, as you know, 2000 and others, it's been, you know, a few, a few votes, actually. So... Uh, uh, I, don't, I, I think they've got to, to say that. Run like you're behind. Uh, get your supporters to understand. Uh, don't let up. I, frankly, I don't think they need their supporters to understand that. Uh, I saw a, a, a kind of message today from somebody who voted today. Uh, and while they were there, a guy in a pickup truck pulled up and called out and said, how, how long have you been standing in line? And one of the people in line yelled out for four years. And the entire line broke out cheering and applauding. So, I mean, that's that's the kind of energy that we're we're seeing out there. Um, I I still think. Look, I've talked about the ghost of 2016, and that's probably the best thing going for the Biden campaign right now. Rank and file Democratic voters are so been waiting for this moment, um, and they're showing up. Uh, but that look, I keep saying. Find a friend, make a plan to vote yourself, get your friends to make a plan, get three or four of them, make sure they're, they're take them with you or, or beat them there in line um, and start talking to some of these Republicans and, and see if we can get one or two of them to come over. But I think that's that's the, you know, the, the it makes sense that uh, Jen O'Malley is, uh, is talking like this. I, I would expect a memo like that. And of course, Bill Stepien's going to say, "No, no, it's closer. It's closer than you all think." Uh, they've got to because one of the things they have to guard against is their own supporters thinking this thing's gone and he's down by ten points. I don't really, I don't really need to vote. To, almost the, the opposite of what happened with Clinton, where for the most part, uh, I think a lot of Democrats didn't come out because not some because they they didn't like her that much, but but mostly just because. They thought she had it in the bag and they didn't need to do it. So uh, I think uh, I'd much rather be in the the, the Biden uh, uh, no. camp right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, but look, um, you know, they have what they need. They, I, I really think, you know, HRC's, you know, Hillary's messaging, you know, was there was such a confidence in that campaign that they basically signaled to everybody, we got this. And the Biden campaign isn't doing that. I mean, the Biden campaign is saying we need everyone to vote, you know, do not let up. So that's the message there. And, you know, the other thing is that they have uh, a, a this lead. They have an early vote lead. They have more money than Trump in all these states. It's like three times the money yeah, Trump three has. Times, it's not small. Right. And, you know, who does Trump have as surrogates to go to these places? The, the Biden campaign has a lot of them, including some Republicans like John Kasich, who could uh, who might be out there in Ohio uh, for him, uh, for the Biden campaign. They've got a whole group of uh, Barack Obama. Uh, they, they have a bunch of surrogates that they can get. You're not going to see George Bush out there campaigning for Trump. Um, I don't know. Does Chris Christie get a get a crowd going? Uh, you, you know, and, and and will people come out? I, I just don't see who they have. So you have all these different advantages, the spending advantage, the lead, the fact that all these uh, battleground states, of course, they're they're close. But 
Biden's up in them, and also the undecideds and people who don't like either one of them all appear to be much more likely to vote for Biden. I mean, if they're either going to stay home or they're going to vote for Biden, it looks like, at least all the different polling I've seen. So, no, I, I but, I, but again, yeah, Jen O'Malley, right on. Tell people, and I'll t- the same thing, make sure you vote, folks. But I don't think, that what I'm saying is I think that energy is there. I think we're seeing it in the early vote. Uh, I, I Again, I talk about, you know, I was going to vote anyway, and I already vote, voted early. There is some of that going on. But I also think we're starting to see some signs that low propensity voters are actually part of this surge, part of this early vote are people who who haven't been out, didn't vote in 2016. And when you look at where they're coming from, they tend to be uh, Democrat, you know, from Democratic uh, precincts and counties. You know, you mentioned surrogates a second ago. One person whose name keeps coming up and was in the news again this week was John Kasich, um, floating him as a potential cabinet member. What do you think of that? Yeah, look, I think talking about John Kasich or even floating that says, yeah, they're going for Ohio. Uh, they're spending a lot of money there. They're starting to spend time there. And I think floating uh, uh, John Kasich, a popular governor, uh, former governor of Ohio, uh, and, and he's a surrogate. I think he could be a surrogate that, that won't only uh, help in Ohio, but could help in other states if he travels around on, on, on behalf of the Biden campaign. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, uh, look, it's it's not unusual for a president to have one member or two members of the other party in their cabinet. Obama had had Robert Gates and Chuck Hagel uh, as defense secretaries and uh, and, and Ray LaHood as, as transportation secretary. Uh, before, w- before you name who W had, email if you, our listeners, know who W had as his Democrat on the cabinet Email it to that trippy show at gmail.com. Well, this one's easy. It was Norm Mineta, transportation uh. secretary. Uh, no, but he was actually, he's uh, a member of Congress uh, from uh, San Jose, California, where I went to, went to, where I did a lot of work in Silicon Valley, went to school at San Jose State. So I, this was an easy one for me to, 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 to name when we were going through this. But, you know, Clinton picked Bill Cohen uh, from Maine as his secretary of defense, Republican for Maine, um, you know, there were, there's always been uh, someone in the cabinet uh, that comes from the other party. It's been part of what uh, people have done in both parties to signal that after the election that we're, we're trying to come together as a country that we can listen to both sides. And they actually, the aberration, of course, <laughs> why not, is Donald Trump, who had, it, it doesn't even have, I mean, he has a lot of sycophants and uh, and yes, Ben in his cabinet, he got rid of anybody who might have been a, even a, a, a moderately independent Republican. They're all gone. Um, and he's never had a, a, a Democrat in, in the cabinet. Uh, so I actually think, you know, I, I don't want to hear it. Uh, you hear all the complaint. Oh, my gosh. Why would he talk to John Kasich? You know, well, right now, one, I don't think it's bad to have that floating out there, particularly in the state of Ohio, where there might be uh some Republicans. Uh, he he was a pretty popular governor of Ohio. Uh, he's a Republican, and we need to pick off in that state. If we could pick off Ohio, are you kidding me? It's yeah. over. So I think uh, the Kasich, whether Kasich actually ends up in the cabinet or not, it's a totally different question. But it's a political move. Uh, 
floating it and uh, and uh, and getting you know a few headaches from from Democrats who might be complaining right now. Um, you know, it, it's worth it. And the only thing I'd say to the Democrats who are complaining is, look, can we win this thing first, and then and then fight over who's going to be in the cabinet and 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 why uh, uh, it shouldn't be John Kasich. Uh, you know, I just think that's kind of it, it's kind of short sighted. We had to win this thing. So going back to some more electoral math this week, Joe, uh, one of the senior advisors to Biden seems like there's about a hundred of them told Politico that the path of least resistance to 270 was the following. It was Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Nebraska second. That basically means that Biden can lose Pennsylvania, Florida, and North Carolina. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, I'm not sure he's going to lose any of those, but uh, that, that, that look, he, it, Wisconsin and Michigan look uh, pretty solid, as does Arizona. Uh, Nebraska, too, looks, looks, I think looks pretty good. Um, so I think, again, if you win those, yeah, you can lose uh, Pennsylvania, Florida, North Carolina, but they're not letting up in any of those three states either. Uh, and that's the whole point here. These all these look, if this is the ghost of 2016 again, if this is a two or three point race, yeah, you could lose all all these states come into play. But if it's a 10, 8, 12, I mean, somewhere up there above five nationally, it's very likely that, first of all, Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Nebraska, too, are, are, are gone, uh, and they're for Biden. And there's, it's very likely that, yeah, maybe, maybe Biden loses one of these states, uh, I mean, Pennsylvania, Florida, North Carolina, but it's absolutely, absolutely uh, in my view, much more likely that he carries everything, that this is going to be... Uh, if if he maintains that kind of a lead that we're seeing right now, that's been pretty stable, I think he he takes them all. Last week we marveled at how much money Joe Biden raised, all kinds of records, and I, I want to say that we were kind of calling that Trump did not have quite that much money, and we were right. It's the Democrats who have a big advantage to the tune of about $135 million. And right now, the Biden campaign has been outspending the Trump campaign on the air in September by almost a three to one margin. Since April, the Biden campaign has outraged the Trump team by more than $280 million. It's spending more, too, especially in crucial battleground states, shelling out over $24 million more in Florida, nearly $30 million more in Pennsylvania, and more than $18 million in Wisconsin. So if my math is right, Joe Biden started this month with about three times as much in the bank as Trump. And he outs already he's outspent Trump four to one in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Uh, Biden has something like 64 million bucks of ads booked already, and Trump's canceling them left and right. Uh, not to flash back to 2016 one more time, but we had this, a similar situation with Hillary Clinton. So, Joe, my question to you is, does having that much of a financial advantage really matter that much when you're against someone like Donald Trump? Uh, absolutely, it does. I mean, for a lot of different reasons. The, the, the first is, again, you know, the difference between 2016 and now is Hillary was never above 50 or, or even near uh, uh, getting above 50. Uh, uh, Biden is solidly above 50 in all the uh, national polls. And in, even in some of these, uh, uh, battleground States, he's right up against it. You know, even North Carolina, he's at 49 right now. Um, so he's got this lead. Um, 
and he's got more money uh, and he has like, you know, like Barack Obama in Philadelphia. Uh, they're not going to, you know, they never sent, she never sent Obama to Michigan or Wisconsin in those closing days. Trust me, if it's, if, if they're even thinking that it might be in any of those states are still in jeopardy, they're not, they've got the surrogates and they're going to use them. The other thing though, that the money advantage does is everybody assumes it's going to be television. I don't think it may be in some states. Um, it makes sense in Texas to throw a bunch of money on television. And the reason is there's strong campaigns there on the ground, local campaigns for state house, uh, a shot, a real shot in, in Texas of taking the state house uh, back for the first time in a long, long, long time. Um, and the, the Texas party is well organized. Uh, and so you might let them do that and you try to close the gap with Trump uh, the three or four points you need by, yeah, by buying more digital ads, more, more television ads in another state like Florida, it may literally be, look, we've got the other advantage is the early vote lead. You have a substantial early vote lead. Yes. You're going to spend some of that money trying to convince the remaining voters that haven't made up their minds yet, or haven't voted yet, uh, to close the gap with Trump there. And again, that increases your lead. But the other uh, thing is, no, they may take three or four million dollars and put it into organizational stuff to get out the vote or into the state party uh, uh, in, in some of these states like Georgia. Uh, get Make sure that the Georgia state party has enough money to get votes out uh, and, and make a difference, not only in, to, to win the electoral college votes there, but to also help in the Senate, in the Senate race there. So I, I think the, the, the money advantage, it means that Biden's likely to outspend Trump in all those areas and be, be able to outspend in one state with a strategy that is more television in another state, maybe not add, uh, to try and per to persuade people, but to actually increase uh, Democratic turnout. Uh, and with the with the uh, uh, early vote that we're seeing, it, you know, it, they now can go after Democrats who have not voted yet and really uh, make sure that they they have a, a strong get out the vote uh, effort. You know, it's clear that their messaging is really strong. We saw it in the World Series with that ad uh, that was just really powerful uh, about unity and coming together, the America uh, that we all know uh, we can be. And it was, uh, and I think it was in stark contrast to what you're seeing from Trump. Again, it's the chaos versus, no, this is who we really are um, and let's come together. And so I think they've got a powerful message that's working. Um, they're ahead you know, uh, by it, it, even in all the battleground states where we say, oh, it's close, it's really close. Well, uh, again, all these battlegrounds, that's why they're battlegrounds. Right. I mean, there's not going to be, no one's fighting over California uh, and they're not fighting over Alabama and they're not fighting over Idaho and they're not fighting over New York. Uh, but they're both spending gobs of money in places that are, you know, are going to be won or lost by somebody by a couple of points. And that's why they, they are close. They're constrained. There's no way he's going to blow that out uh, by the same number he's going to blow out nationally. But the other thing, you know, Paul Maslin pointed this out 
on the last podcast, folks could go back and, and listen to it, came out on Tuesday, um, last Tuesday, but, uh, it, it, uh, this Tuesday, I mean, uh, it, he, you know, he, he made the point with, there wasn't any way that the Biden lead was going to grow bigger than the, much more than the Hillary lead in places like California and New York. I mean, you know, those were pretty big democratic wins in 2016. The, the, he is doing better in these battleground states, but the way you get to that 10, 15, you know, 10 point lead nationally, that has to be that in red states like Kansas, um, Trump's not doing that well. I mean, he, he, he may win the state, but nowhere near what he blew it out uh, in, in 2016. That mean, that's why uh, uh, that Senate race out there could, could actually happen. We could pick that Senate seat up. So remember, talking about money, remember when we said, when uh, Trump said he was going to loan his campaign $100 million bucks and then he said you need something? Uh, yeah. How's that looking for you right now? I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. I, think, I don't think he's going to do that. Uh, and particularly when you see how much debt he's in. So looking at it, it does obviously binds in the driver's seat in a lot of these things. Looking at it from a campaign manager's perspective, Joe, what do you think is his biggest advantage right now? Is it the surrogates? Is it the money? Is it the early vote? What is it? Donald Trump. It's his contrast with Trump. Uh, it's what I've been saying the whole time. You know, it, Trump is chaos and Biden is, I know how to turn the lights on in the Oval Office and I know how to, how government works. Um, and I believe in science and, you know, I mean, just totally, it's the contrast. That contrast is something that has served him again. Remember, by the way, he had none of those advantages that we're talking about in the primaries. None. He had no money. No digital presence. There are lots of candidates who are far better at that stuff. Yang and Bernie. Elizabeth Warren ran an incredible uh, digital campaign, raised gobs and gobs of money. And it was him. It was who he is. The contrast that he represented with Trump is what I think sustained him all the way through the primaries. And I think it's sustaining him now. And I, I think now add to that the advantages in the general that he didn't have in the primaries. Money, other surrogates out there. You know, Obama wasn't going to jump into the middle of that primary. As, as close as they were, that wasn't going to happen. Uh, he wasn't going to endorse what well, he's out there now. Uh, Moshe, Michelle Obama, uh, uh, these Republicans, uh, surrogates like John Kasich. So you you add uh, uh, and um, uh, you know they are they have a digital uh, campaign that's doing quite well for them. It's helping them raise that money. So I I, I just think um, that when you look at at what sustained him through those primaries, it was that contrast. That contrast isn't going away. Donald Trump's incapable of changing that contrast. Um, and I think there are a lot of people right now, we talked about the fatigue and exhaustion. They just want to change the channel. Um, and that's what the World Series spot was in a lot of ways for me. Um, here you are, all this chaos um, that's going on, all the division that Donald Trump's fostered uh, and festered and made, it, and made grow. And you're watching the baseball game and, and, and wait a minute, here, there's this calm American you know, value spot. Um, 
it's the con- that's that it's that contrast, and I think that's what the Biden campaign's been doing very disciplined the entire way, and they're very disciplined about their electoral college strategy. I think, um, and I think they've got a they are implementing a strategy to expand that because and they're able to because of the money, because of the resources, because of the surrogates, and because of the central the central strength of this campaign is who Joe Biden is. Decent, civil, um, really wants to bring the country together. And if you want to change the channel, if you're sick of the show, of the circus, watch the World Series. <laughs> watch my my spot. It's that. It's that. It, that was literally, you turn. It, this is what it's going to feel like if you change the channel. And I think that's what his strength is. Joe, we got two listener questions this week. Uh, first was from iTunes from user Lazy Josie. I hope you're not lazy and are going and voting. Uh, early vote totals are skyrocketing. Joe, what's your turnout prediction? We haven't had 60% turnout since the 60s. Oh, no, I think it's going to be record turnout. Uh, uh, and I think that's the thing that people aren't looking at. I think we're starting to see this these signs that a lot of these early voters are low propensity voters. Uh, and if that's the case, then I really do think uh, we could see a, a, a record, uh, like you said, a turnout that that rivals what we were seeing in the 60s. So one caveat I would put on that is is COVID. If uh, I mean, I do think there could be folks who stay home uh, if this continues to surge here. I do. And I continue to point out if that happens, that's likely to hurt Trump more than than Democrats again, or Biden, because of this early vote surge that we're seeing, that could dampen turnout. But otherwise, I think it's going to be be record. All right, and this one is from iTunes as well. This is from B H H D W H, which I'd assume is Welsh for Brian. Question is, what will Joe and Alex be looking? Oh, thanks. What will Joe and Alex <laughs> be looking for on election night to know how it's looking for a big Biden win? I think the first place is going to be Florida. It, it's uh, in the Eastern Time Zone. Um, they do count the early votes immediately, uh, on, uh, you know, the day of the election, uh, and are usually pretty quick. Uh, and so I think we'll see pretty close, uh, there if, I mean, first of all, look, if, if, if Biden wins Florida, you can start to turn out the lights. Uh, I mean, I, th- I think that's one of the first places that, that I would definitely look. You know, for an for a real early kind of look at it, for my money, you look at like a New Hampshire and a Virginia, and you just look at margins. How early is it called? You know, New Hampshire, it won't be that much of a blowout. I know Trump's still contesting it, but that'll be an early one. Um, you'll 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 know fairly quickly on those states, I think. Well, you'll know quickly on those states. I'm just don't. They're not as as powerful a statement as. As Biden wins Florida, Biden wins Florida. It's and it, it, you know it may be a little bit more delayed than what you're saying about New Hampshire, et cetera. I agree with you, Virginia. Uh, uh, but I think you know Florida will tell you. Uh, I mean, first of all, we know that it, it's pretty clear that Biden as a nominee really uh, changed the equation a lot. People thought Democrats. Uh, had a real shot at the Sun Belt when we started this this year. Uh, if we could energize, get our votes out in the Sun Belt, we could we could win a lot of those places like Florida, these southern uh, states, North Carolina. Um, 
when Biden won the nomination, the thing that happened was it was clear that uh, the blue wall strategy of Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan were going to be, you, you know, we're, we were a lot stronger there. There were a lot of those voters that were moving to Biden and they've seemed to have held. Uh, so if you could win a Sunbelt state like Florida early, uh, I think that says both things are happening. And if both things are happening, I mean, I'd say, put it this way. I think you're right about New Hampshire and, and Virginia in the sense that, okay, looks like we're on our way to 270. You know, that we, we you can look at the demographics and how fast they're called and say, maybe we're on our way here to, we're on our way to an electoral college win. I think if you win Florida, it could be we're on our way to a blowout. And I would also just encourage you, uh, Brian, to not pay too much attention to exit polls. It's a very easy way to increase your blood pressure for not a lot of return. Oh man, I've been there. I've been I've been at the analyst desk. You know, it, it, major networks. I mean, Fox, MSNBC, CBS. Are CNN. you going to wear your cowboy hat tonight or on, on no, election night, Joe? No, no. But but I've been there when you get the election, the 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 exit polls that all say this baby's over. It's all going to you know candidate X, it, 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 and then you. Uh, I remember Pat Cadell in one of those meetings when we got our briefing on the exit polls, just screaming, you guys are all idiots. You're wrong. Don't believe this thing. He was right. He was absolutely right. Uh, and, you know, I've learned that lesson. Exit polls, nah. Uh, uh, get real results. Look at them. And the one I'd be looking for is Florida. Thanks for listening to that trippy show. Reminder, if you have a question, please submit it on iTunes in the reviews and help us game the system by you know, rating us. It really, that's really important. I can't, there's, there's actually thousands of you who listen and we still have like, you know, I don't know, 350 people who rate us, please. If you actually enjoy the show, could you find some time, please go over there and give us a rating. Um, you can, uh, also email us, uh, a question at that trippy show at gmail.com. And please give us that five-star rating that I'm now kind of pleading for. Uh, Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com podcast.